Hey, you gypsies, tramps, and thieves, to quote Cher. That's right. I bet you thought you'd heard The Last of Us this week. But, but you haven't seen The Last of Me. Oh, Dylan, that was kind of good. All right. Let's That's a top tier Cher song. It is. Regardless, we are here with a second episode. That's right. We have a very special extra bonus drama with Emily McGill. And we are here to tell you that you can go to patreon.com backslash the drama podcast to watch the tarot reading that happens. Yes, yes. spoiler, there's going to be a tarot reading This on is this. why we're coming at you right now because we want you to have this visual experience. Not only the tarot portion will be viewable on our Patreon, but there are lots of other perks of joining our Patreon. That's right. Close friends access on Instagram. Multiple bonus episodes every, well, I mean, every month, really. Yep. And lots of different ways to interact with us. We love you all, and we hope that you'll check out Patreon. There is a link right in the episode notes, and we'll see you soon. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got numb? They have to know. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will, will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City, City and, and the, the world. world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell, and we have a very special episode today. I am I'm gagged. so excited. This is going to be so different and unique. You know, I opened up the New York Post a couple of weeks ago, and there she was. And I said, I know that girl. Listen to this resume. Our guest today is a self-defined recovering Broadway publicist, having tapped into her passion for healing and growth through tarot and magic. After a decade and a half of working as a professional expert communication and storytelling strategist, our guest is taking a new direction by, as she says, unlocking the magic in others. She is the founder of The Pink Tank and a co-founder of SNOB or SNOB, Sunday Night on Broadway, a monthly Broadway industry dance party. Emily has 20 Broadway credits and has represented the Tony Award-winning productions of A Raisin in the Sun, starring Denzel Washington, Memphis, Billy Elliot, The Lion King, Aladdin, School of Rock, Cats, Allegiance, and more. Her PR career has also included iconic moments, including throwing an afternoon tea for Tony nominee Latanya Richardson-Jackson, hosted by Julianne Moore, producing a concert of selections from Memphis for Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton at the State Department, I mean, come on, and Kenny Leon winning a Tony Award. The New York Post and Miss Tamron Hall have both featured our guest for her tarot reading endeavor, which she'll be sharing with us today in a very special segment. Please welcome to drama, Emily, Emily McGill. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to Hello. drama. Oh my gosh, I'm like embarrassed by that introduction. <laughs> no, you should, you'd be proud. This is like, I was like, oh my God, what have you not done or touched that's been on Broadway in the last Ooh. decade I mean, or so? so? It's been pretty crazy, but it's been fun. Of course, we, we met at 54 Below, but I mean, your resume is just beautiful and I want to get into a lot of it, but I also want to mention Left that you are- male strippers. <laughs> I you know, I saw that on your site and I was like, I'm going to need to ask. Male strippers. I had a troop of male strippers. The kindest fans you would ever meet. They just happened to take their clothes off for a living. I oh. mean, they were wonderful. So was Not this naked men boys men. dancing? Was this that? Of oh, Magic Men Live. There was no magic oh. with men. And um, yeah, it was, I was working. I'm, I, had, I had, you know, sort of shifted into a big PR agency 
and was their in-house Broadway expert after um, a few years of working in and around the Broadway community on Broadway shows for PR. And uh, yeah, my boss <laughs> booked a troupe of male strippers as a client. And so that that became one of my my clients and they were so kind and wonderful. It was like these guys from Michigan that just would travel around the country. Like it started in their cars. Then they finally got a bus and like had full blown like production value. I smell a mini series about these guys traveling around like a reality show, even these corn fed Michigan, Michiganders. And like, they were the nicest guys you would ever meet. Like so down to earth and just like, like I said, they just happened to take their clothes off for a living. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Would they um, perform as a group or would they do like individual? Yeah. No, like, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what this place is called now. Sony Hall, is that what it is? The, the, yeah, Sony Hall. Mm-hmm. It's, or maybe maybe it's not that one, but it was like the PlayStation Theater. So you know where there's like oh, a, yeah, yeah, underneath yeah. of the Mary, um, the Minskoff? Yeah, that's like, the PlayStation Theater, I think. Yeah. So yeah. that's where they played. Are you well? You know, I think the the answer to that is a it's a roller coaster, right? Like, well, it, yes, I am well. Yes, I am well. When it comes down to brass tacks and like the most baseline of what that question means, yes, the answer is yes. But it's a roller coaster. I mean, every day is a roller coaster. Sometimes, you know, even an hour can be a roller coaster. When the pandemic hit, was this opportunity to slow down, mm-hmm. right? And to like really reassess. What is it that I want to do? What is it that I've stumbled into? Where can I take some of my talents and transferable skills and provide them elsewhere? And communication has and people have always been such a delight for me. I fell into PR. I was one of those actor kids. My degrees in musical theater. Like oh, wow. I learned everything on the job. And I interned around at a bunch of different places before I landed in my first press office. I learned so much through all of those opportunities. And then I sort of, you know, found myself wandering around and gaining more opportunities and more education, more insight. And like I said, then the pandemic hit and I was like, how did I get, where am I? And how did I get? Mm. And so the opportunity to slow down also allowed me to sort of tap into like my explorations and my other interests and something that I think a lot of members of our industry and more specifically our community are really struggling with is the, um, question of self-identity without Mm -hmm. the theater oh yeah as being like the center of your world it's like who am I if I'm not Emily McGill Broadway publicist Mm -hmm. well who am I if I'm not Broadway publicist I'm still Emily Mm -hmm. I'm this person who loves people who loves storytelling who loves connecting who loves community like that's all still there and so why do I have to define it strictly by being a theater person wow who am i jean valjean vibes but (laughs) you know yes (laughs) that is so i mean that i think you really put towards what a lot of people have been experiencing and there's this whole notion of like the pivot and what what everyone has sort of been looking into and i mean i i know we'll get into it but you of course have tapped into this interesting and i will say mysterious um endeavor with your with tarot and reading and everything and and i hope that everyone else who is sort of been displaced career-wise has been able to also find something in themselves or rediscover an old passion or you know or even just take time to breathe for the first time i, I mean like broadway people are hustlers and they move and they shake and yeah. it's probably it was a welcome break for some people who you know needed that reset 
So you were a musical theater major in college, but another question we ask all of our guests is about their Ring of Keys moment when perhaps they discovered that they wanted to dive into the ocean of the arts and take a swim. Do you feel like you had a Ring of Keys moment or yes. moments? Um, I feel like so many people are like, I saw my first insert the thing here and that was <laughs> Um, but my parents put me in dancing school when I was like two and a half, you know, they, um, Rochelle Rack is who I grew up at her mother's dance studio. You know, in like 1992, I remember sitting on stage with her at the recital while she sang part of your world. And there was just a bunch of kids around her. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we were, I was, it was always there, you know, it was always something that we did. And, um, when I was about 12, we found, Pittsburgh Musical Theater, which was the theater company conservatory that I went to in Pittsburgh um, all during, you know, junior high and high school and performed with them in college too. Um, and so it was kind of always there, you know, musical theater was all a dance, singing, like, you know, I'm, I remember my mom having, yeah, yes, I'm that old, the two cassette set of Phantom of the Opera and we used to listen oh. to the car, you know and me at like I don't know seven trying to sing Christine Daae like I knew what I was doing like it was not right but it was always there so I would actually say that my ring of keys moment was more when my awareness and my interests expanded hmm. from musical theater uh, the first Broadway play I had was fortunate to work on, Dylan, as you said, was the Tony Award-winning production of A Raisin in the Sun starring Denzel, mm -hmm. uh, which was the second revival of Raisin. I had never, I'd only ever done musicals or like limited concert engagements on Broadway. I had never worked on a play before. And it was a Scott Rudin play. So you know that like everyone is at the top. I don't, What's language like on this? Am I allowed to switch? It is free. Explicit. Okay, Explicit. great. You know, like everyone's at the top of their fucking game. When yes. now, right? Like that's just what it is. And so it was such a cool experience, you know, and like getting to see that show and there's nowhere to sit at the back of the Barrymore. You can't stand at the back of the Barrymore. Mm -hmm. You know, some theaters, like I, I worked on Memphis, which is at the Schubert and right. I live down the block. So I would sometimes just like, you know, on my way home from wherever I was out in the city or whatever, I would just like pop by the theater and stand in the back of the house and like catch whatever part of the show was, or, you know, I would oh, just yeah. like, but you couldn't do that at Raisin because it was, it, that's not kind of that theater. Mm -hmm. So every opportunity I had to see the show was really special. And there were a lot of special experiences that happened on that show. You know, like you said, we got to do this really fun tea with LaTanya. Kenny won a Tony award for that. You know, I got to, I mean, Denzel's PR team was all based in LA. So when there were, we were doing anything, it was usually me that got sent to do something with him. And <laughs> that was really fun. Um, I remember once like his hairstylist was like, there's something wrong with your curls. Do you mind, do you want to take a seat? And like, he started like cutting my hair when we were at Charlie Rose. Like, <laughs> You know, it's just like, what is this? <laughs> Un unreal. Like the, but, yes. Oh like, my gosh. Crazy experiences. But at the same time, it was so cool because it also allowed me through, especially throughout Tony's season, I was working with Philip Rinaldi's office who also represents Lincoln Center. Okay. He also had act one that season. Oh. And we had a small office. So we were trying to figure out the juggle. Like, how do we make it work? And most of the other Tony nominees that we were working with had reps but Kenny didn't. And so I was assigned to him throughout Tony season. 
and we became really good friends and the president and Mrs. Obama came to see the show and he was like, I really need my picture that they took. And I was like, let me see what I can do, you know? And so I was like stalking the white house to get this picture. And we, it was just like the most bizarre, like expanded experience that I had had up until that point. Uh, but it also gave birth to a really, really beautiful friendship with Kenny, who to this mm. day is still one of my mentors. Through that, it helped me fall in love with plays because all of a sudden I'm going to see a play with this Tony award-winning director who's able to help me better understand the aspects, the importance of these different things that you don't need to break into song and dance every time there's a climactic moment. And mm -hmm. so it gave me this whole new expansion and appreciation for straight plays and for you know the theater in general versus just musical theater because let me tell you if there was a ring of keys moment for musical theater it was probably the first time i saw 42nd street mm. you know i was like i don't know maybe 12 11 and just like the, seeing that curtain go up and all of those tap dancing feet is just <laughs> so magical mm -hmm. and Peggy Sawyer was always my dream role when i was an actor so like that would that kind of would have been it but okay but i think that it's really more about the the expansion mm -hmm. of me understanding the importance of storytelling and art and the different ways you can do it i am obsessed with that whole story yeah it it connor mentioned this too before we started recording but i think that moment comes for a lot of us musical kids but you the experience of working with kenny and denzel like that is no one has that like that is so remarkable no and i was like 27 or 28 I, you know i i hadn't hit my saturn return yet so i had <laughs> visiting like what is my life you know <laughs> we're anticipating that we were we're only 28 in august so oh so you're right on the cusp of it i know, I know. <laughs> i'm shaking but i think it's coming well, maybe we'll see you're gonna be a different person by the time you're 32 and it's gonna be amazing Wow. Love it. <laughs> Chills. <laughs> Do you have any other moments from your, I mean, like you, like we said, we have over 20 Broadway credits. And what I love about you too, is you've worked with so many different types of clients, even outside of Broadway, but do you have any other moments that just stand out to you as something that you just feel so proud of from your time as a, you're now a recovering PR professional, but you know. Yeah. That Memphis concert that you talked about was really cool. Memphis was getting ready to close actually. And our composer, David Bryan of Bon Jovi, had been approached by a friend of his. So it's like this crazy, again, like the weirdest shit. Apparently, there was a piano at the State Department that had gone, that had been sent to, I think it's Steinway, that is the piano maker of the government. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it had gone back in for repair. And I guess when they ran the serial numbers or something, they realized that it didn't actually belong to the State Department. It belonged to like, I don't know, the mayor of DC or the White House or like something else. So this turns out this piano didn't, there was no piano at the State Department. And so David got a call from a friend of his and was like, hey, would you be interested in like donating a piano to the State Department? And then we could like do a little thing and, you know, it will make it a whole thing. And he was like, yeah, I'm on board. We should do a, a little Memphis concert. Here's my producers. Here's, you know, company management and the press, right? Like, here's, here's the people you need to talk to. And you know how it is on Broadway, right? Like, everybody has their job. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, like, and, and the unions are really good about making sure 
you know, it's a double-edged sword. Like you can't touch that prop. You can't plug in that light, but you know, and that's a good thing and a bad thing in some ways, right? There is good and bad and duality and everything. Sure. But a lot of times when it's back office stuff, it's like, that's not my job. That's not, uh. my, job. That's <laughs> not my job. Right. And that's what people are constantly like kind of pushing the buck around to each other. It's like, well, this isn't really the producer's job. This isn't really company management job. This isn't really the marketing department's job. It's kind of promotions and events, which sort of is the marketing department, but the press office usually happens to be involved in that stuff too. So you're just trying to figure out like, who's going to take care of this shit. And so often it's like company management and the press rep are the two people that end up just like, you know what? We just need to get it done. Let's just get it done. I got in, they, they were like, we're going to do this thing. David's donating this. He's performing. We want, um, you know, Montego. And at that time, Adam Pascal was our Huey Calhoun. Oh yeah. I forgot he did that. Yeah. So they were like, you know, let's, let's bring them down. And it was going to be a day off. It was on a Monday. It was on the day off. And it was like, it was a day trip to DC. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. We, we once did a, an overnight drive from DC to New York and it, it was like five out four or five hours, I think. Yeah, and so we took the train because we were like, you know, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Yeah. But um, we ended up, the understudies ended up going with me. And so it was Kevin Massey, oh. Danielle Williamson, and we brought Bruce Lickus along for the ride. So he of course. Sit. And the four of us got on a morning, very early morning train to DC. We went to the State Department. You know, we had like a little sound check and rehearsal. And then there was a reception in the afternoon where they were dedicating this piano to the State Department. And, you know, Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State. <laughs> and so there was a little private reception ahead of time where they did a couple of photos. And I was very fortunate that the people that were there were like, get in the picture. Oh. Because as the press rep, like, mm-hmm. you're, it's your responsibility for you to not be, you know, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you should be camera shy if you're a press yeah. rep. A lot yeah. of people, right? Because it's not about you. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll get on the end so you can crop me out for the broadcast <laughs> photo, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> But it was, it was so cool to get to like be there for that. And, you know, you're, you're orchestrating with government organizations and like, you know, all the red tape, but um, everyone that I worked with at the state department was so kind and wonderful. And we got everything together and we went and did our little day trip to DC and it was, it was a very long day, but it was, it was amazing. And Hillary Clinton. I mean, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) who she's a huge Broadway fan. So like, I'm sure she ate that up. Right. And this was, you know, when Memphis closed in 2013, I think. Okay. So, you know, this was pre her essential yeah. bit. Like, it was, it was really, it was quite cool. I think I can remember her hair. It was, like, more straightened with, like, the curl at the end. Was yeah, that that, that era? That. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, my God. Well, so we also have you here today for a very special reason. Because you, part of your pivot has been this foray into tarot and reading. Yeah. And... I was wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit about this pivot because it's fascinating to me and I think they'll get a lot out of it. My, right around that same time, actually, that I was working on A Raisin in the Sun, uh, my grandmother passed away and I found a therapist for the first time in my life um, who at the time I didn't realize was as quite as magical and special as she is. And she's actually the one that introduced me to tarot. We, during some of my sessions, would pull cards and things like that. And so a few years later, 
when I was looking for a daily practice, she suggested I start pulling a card every day. I wasn't really sure about it. So I decided to take the very, I'm an old millennial, but I'm still a millennial route. And I downloaded the app. There was an app for a tarot deck. And there you go. the Osho Zen tarot deck is the one that we have been oftentimes using. Um, and if you all are familiar with Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, Osho. Oh, no way. <laughs> way. So, uh, you know, I would like to say that despite being construed as a cult leader in some ways <laughs> makes a really good tarot deck oh so, there you go um, <laughs> silver but, lining right so i downloaded the app which i don't know it was like 10 bucks or something expensive for an app but cheap for a tarot deck and it allowed me to start pulling a card every day because i had to get rid of my little red bubble on my phone you know and so i was like i can't see that bubble let's click and then you tap the card and it flips and it gives you the description so I was able to start familiarizing myself with the cards um, and the structure. So the tarot deck is usually made up of 78 cards. There is the major arcana, which are our magic cards are, you know, um, they're super special when they show up, we want to pay extra special attention to them. They used to be called another term card, but you know, since that is now a bad word, because that is a very bad four years that we've lived through. I don't call them that anymore. I call them magic cards now. I love that. So, yeah, don't need to give that name any power. So magic cards, they correspond to the human soul's evolution from basically incarnation all the way up and through enlightenment. So there are 22 cards in the major arcana. It starts with the fool who, you know, is, who you tr it's trusting again and again and again. You can, you know, do something to the fool and they'll still trust you all the way up and through the world, which is sort of this like natural completion wholeness, healed, holy sort of feeling. So that's the major arcana. And that's where um, you you have it almost sort of like three phases a little bit through that of like the growth and evolution. And then the minor arcana is set up very similar to a traditional, traditional playing deck. So rather than 52 cards, there are 56 because there are four court cards for each of the, the minor arcanas. So we still have our four suits. Um, in this case, it's usually, they correspond to the four elements. So water, fire, air, and earth, cups, wands, swords, and pentacles. And so those are the corresponding elements. And they have, like I said, four court cards. So you have a king, a queen, a knight, and a page. And in the deck that uh, I'm going to show you guys today, that's actually set up more like a traditional family structure. So it is father, mother, son, daughter. Um, and, you know, they're just different ideas and different elements around each of those cards and what they mean. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really awesome experience. I had been doing, like I said, the, the digital thing for a few years. And before the pandemic hit, I was, I was gifted with my very first hard copy of the Osho Zen tarot deck. Oh, wow. And that allowed me to start reading for other people rather than just myself on my phone. Um, and so with that, it was really exciting and kind of opened my world up. And then in the last year, I've gone from that one app and then that one deck to now having like six of them and working on writing my own tarot deck. So. Oh my goodness. Wow. This is awesome. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And of course, that's why you appeared in the in the New York in the New York Post. Yeah, because I was talking about you know 
I mean, let's face it. I'm a recovering Broadway publicist. I understand how to write a New York Post headline. And yeah. recovering Broadway publicist turned tarot reader is a New York Post headline. Oh, without a doubt. So, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pitch this. Um, but it's been really interesting because, you know, with that communications background, what I found is tarot is really about internal communication versus external communication. Ooh, so okay. it's communication with ourself, with our inner voice, with things that we may be don't necessarily like know like know in our souls and our spirits but don't know intellectually or like understand in our deepest selves but maybe can't put words to it or don't have perspective around it and so that's what I love about tarot is it still has a lot to do with that communication incredible well that I'm so excited so cool. and and I I hope that a lot of people listen to this and find an interest in it as well because I mean it's something I've always been fascinated with and our grandmother was actually very, um, she was, div I don't know the right word, divine. She called herself a psychic, but I don't know if that's the right Probably word. Was. I mean, mm -hmm. there are different things, right? Psychics are people that can sort of, they just like know things and they can tap into other sort of senses and things that a lot of people can't. Empaths mm -hmm. are people that do that with emotions. Psychics tend to do it in a more mental way. So, yeah, okay. you know, uh, intuitives are always people who like are just have really strong intuition so I oftentimes call myself an intuitive empath because I do take on other people's emotions really easily and like the energy mm -hmm. of a room really affects me and so I like if I walk into somewhere and I know immediately it's it's like for me or it's not mm -hmm. you know wow what's your sign I'm a cancer so okay. still waters run deep but my rising is Scorpio. So like the, oh, stinger, wow. the stinger is there. Like <laughs> I, I will be a bitch and I won't apologize for it. And my moon is in Virgo, which is like, gives me all the organizational and like the need for information. Like information brings me comfort because like my moon is like, well, how are we going to like figure out what problem we have to solve here if we don't know have all the information like how are mm -hmm. we supposed to do it we are We're talking to two Virgos, Virgo yeah. sons so we get you so what's your birthday august, august 30th. 30th oh you're oh, on august virgos i feel like are so different than september virgos oh you yeah know? it's the way like yeah oh that's so much my brother's a virgo too he's september 3rd Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. So you're going to pull a few cards for us today. And because this is an audio experience, our listeners won't be able to see the cards. But everyone, we've talked about it on the podcast before in ads on social media, but on our Patreon, you can subscribe and you'll be able to experience the all the visuals of this episode. So highly recommend you doing that because I think it will add that extra layer to the experience that Emily is about to provide for us today. I'm so excited. All right, so um, I am going to ask one of you to do the honors and cut the deck. Connor, you ready? I'm ready. And to stop. Okay, stop. So I've already shuffled the cards. I have myself on mute shuffling the cards a little bit. You might have heard one or two shuffles there, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and the way I like to do tarot when we're kind of doing it like this is to pull three cards. So I'm going to pull the three off the top. I haven't even looked at them yet. I don't know what they are. Okay, we can see them though. And yeah. so let me confirm though, for you, this is, is this card number one or card number three? I was thinking that was three for me. Okay, great. So this is card number one. Yeah. Okay, great. Then we're going this way. Okay. Because that was the top card. So this is card number one. Okay. Card number two, card number three. Now I would invite each of your listeners and each of you to choose a card, put it in the comments, 
don't cheat and change it later. You'll find something in each of these for you, I'm sure. Okay, okay. kind of ready? One, two, three, two. Two. Oh, wow. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay. Amazing. Oh my God, of course we cool. picked the same one. Well, we're gonna one. start with number one. Um, and so our first card is the sun. And so this is a deck called the Wild Unknown, and all of the cards are um, very, they're beautiful, but they're also um, nature inspired. And so in some decks, you'll see a lot of people. In this deck, it's all animals. And so the sun is a major arcana card. It's towards the end of the major arcana. You'll see it's number 19 out of mm -hmm. the 22 cards. And since the first card is numbered zero, they only go up to 21. Right. So this is towards the end of that journey. This is that soul's spiritual evolution. There's a lot of warmth, a lot of growth. You think about like all the sun offers to us, you know, that it offers a lot of healing energy and warming energy and growing energy and allows for um, roots to grow. Right. So like you got to go down to go up. Remember ballet class? Like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so um this card, if you picked number one, is really resonant for for sort of like standing in your light, you know, like find like like fucking finding zero and like letting that spotlight hit you. Very dear Evan Hansen, step out, step into the step into the sun. Is that the lyric? And waving <laughs> through a window. <laughs> yes, you know, it's it it is a lot of that. It's it's very much like, yes, yeah, step out into the sunlight. Like it's waiting for you. It's there, you know, like there's that, you know, the sun always rises. Like whether or not we do, the sun still does what it does. And actually mm. it doesn't rise. It just never stops. It's just like, we're turning, right? So like the earth to us, it rises, but like really it's constantly standing in its power and its source and its energy and like giving off its own light, you know? Mm. So there's also a lot of that energy, right? Cause like we see how if you do do the Patreon and you can see this and also you feel free to Google, you guys, like Google is your best friend. You know, it's an easy, easy way to say, oh, what does the wild unknown sun card look like? Mm. That's not a hard Google, right? And you can take a look and see what that looks like for you. Um, and if you resonate with it, and, but we see there's a burst, there's like a really concentrated color center of red that then bursts out. And so it's, you know, it's like, that concentrated center is within each of us. Like we hold that source already within us and just a matter of tapping into it. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. It really is. All right. So that was card number one. Mm -hmm. Card number two was the mother of cups. And so remember I said that there are these four um, court cards. So we have daughter, son, mother, father, uh, mm -hmm. and our four elements or suits right so cups is our emotional element um and you're gonna say emily you're holding it upside down like what are you doing well <laughs> in tarot there is a thing called reversals and so when a card is pulled upside down sometimes it can have a different meaning a lot of people will read a reversal as it being maybe the inverse or the negative aspects of a card I don't believe that because I think every card has both the positive and ne negative in, um, aspects to it. So the idea of the sun card being like also the darkness and the cold and like, you know, dead space kind of idea. Yeah. Like that's in all of it. Right. But having that sort of capacity 
to experience, to like understand that there is duality in everything that we do, that there are two sides of everything. It's inherent that you're going to have, you can't have the light without the dark, you can't have the good without the bad, right? Like going back, mm-hmm. like, are you well? And I'm like, it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Like, you can't <laughs> have the highs without the lows. So I like to read reversals as being like the internal experience versus like your external experience or your experience with the world. We'll see if I flip this, you can see this mother of cups is a beautiful swan mm-hmm. and she's protecting this cup, right? Like, so we know mother energy is very protective, very nurturing, very, you know, can be very kind. There can be aspects of like nurturing to a fault, right? Like helicopter parenting can sometimes come up, but we see her protecting this cup, which is the emotions. And so, you know, she's standing in the dark, keeping watch over these emotions. I mean, it's really interesting too. And part of why this is such a visual medium. So I do hope that folks go over to your Patreon and check it out because like when we flip this card over and you see it the way I pulled it, like Mm -hmm. your interpretation changes a little bit, right? Like she's like trying to hold the contents of an upside down cup in her wing. Like she's not protecting some, I mean, she's still protecting something, but like her sort of way of going about it is very different. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at a card like this, we see a lot about um, maybe like how we protect our own emotions and mm-hmm. how um, we protect ourselves in emotional situations. Maybe when we are looking for a new way to do things or, you know, we're going through something really difficult. I mean, pandemic is a perfect example of that. It's not easy to live life in a pandemic, especially in emotional life. And mm-hmm. so, but you know, this is a really, a really interesting card to say, like, how are you nurturing your own emotions? How are you caring for yourself emotionally? How are you caring for others emotionally and checking in with your people and the people that you love? And, you know, whether that is family or friends or chosen family or however, mm-hmm. you know, like, how are you approaching your emotional health right now? Mm. And are you protecting it? And, and, are you trying to sort of keep it safe in, in a way that works for you? Wow. Drama. So we have one more cards pull and this was our third card and we got, and this one actually was also a reversal when I first pulled it. Oh. Six of cups. What a beautiful, interesting looking card. Right. And so we see the six of cups again. It's like the cups are upside down. So is it like, the emotions spilling out. Does that mean your um, your cup is empty? How do you refill your cup, right? Like, what does that mean for you? But when we flip it around so we can just see it upright at first, you know, we see this beautiful tree and it's really impressive roots, right? And like when I said earlier, like you gotta go down to go up. Same thing as ballet. Like, I'm not kidding. It's the same thing as ballet class. You got to go down to go up. If your roots aren't strong and steady and in place, your tree is not going to be able. I mean, that's literally why trees fall over in New York City all the time because they've cut the roots out to make the sidewalks work. I don't understand why people are so surprised when trees fall in New York and it's like, "Mm," but it doesn't have a root system because you killed it. (laughs) So, you know, it's like this idea of we can't like you, like as below as as above so below right like we really need to have the foundations in place for ourselves in order to 
move towards that sun, move towards that light, right? Like the seed has to grow roots at the same time it's growing the sprout that's going to pop out of the earth. And when we flip it over, it does, and in, in the way we pulled it, it is really interesting because it still looks like it's a, those roots look like a tree themselves. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like it looks like there is this really beautiful coloring and, you know, it almost looks like it's like an early spring tree that's waiting to like blossom um, or bud. And then we see like, you know, the, the, the conifer tree Conifer, conifer, conifer. It's not conifer. Go conifer. Go conifer. <laughs> <laughs> but like that is, it almost looks like an arrow. And, and so this is, I think like challenging us. So if you picked number three, I think there's a challenge here for you to explore what your emotional roots are. And maybe mm. you have to bring some of them to the surface. And, you know, some, I'm also a crazy plant lady. You know, sometimes if you overwater something, over water, over emotions, you get root rot. And you have to take that plant out of that soil, cut out all the dead roots that have rotted away that can cause, like, it can literally, I mean, I've killed plenty of plants by overwatering <laughs> them. Every succulent I've ever had. By considering what is it that I need to cut away from the roots, it might allow you to explore your emotional landscape a little bit more. And so these are our three cards all together. So pretty. I love that. I love the card that we picked, Connor. Me too. <laughs> So cool. You're I'm I'm a, I'm blown away at how knowledgeable and eloquently you're able to speak on all oh, of the yes. cards. You you're truly a pro, Emily. Oh my goodness. So well, cool. you're amazing at it. This was so much fun. I I have a lot to think about. I think, you know. Um and maybe I'll even have to to conjure you for a one-on-one at some point because I think that this is really really fascinating. Thank you. Totally and everyone agree. who's listening and watching should, of course, go to your website, which we'll have the, the link and everything in our notes, just to see what else you ha- your offerings are. And yeah. I'm looking forward to you you having your own deck eventually. Yes, me too. I have I have some pretty cool ideas in the works. All right. So before we before we say goodbye, we like to end on a dose of drama, okay. a little something to leave our listeners with. And I've been thinking long and hard about mine. And I've realized that I regret my sweater choice today. I feel like it's eating me alive, especially since a lot of people will be watching this. I truly don't know what I was thinking. It's a mess. And I, I think it looks better in person than on camera. It's just blending with my skin tone and it's just not, it's not, it was, it was a bad choice. So anyway, I'm feeling dramatic. I I hear you, but I'm going to kindly disagree because like with the aesthetic of like your background in your bedroom Mm -hmm. and like. So while I hear you, I just thank you. I'm with Emily. I am 100% with Emily. My dose of drama is I've been listening to the Color Purple cast album again. Just it came up on the recent one, the 2015 revival. revival. Mm -hmm. And I thought about I'm thinking about this long and hard, and this is no shade to Jennifer Hudson. However, we were lucky enough to see the show with Heather Headley, and I believe that if the show had opened with Heather Headley as Shug Avery she would have been nominated for a Tony, unlike Ms. Hudson. And she might have won, although she was against um, Renee Elise Goldsberry for Hamilton. So it was a tough year. Mm-hmm. Tough year, but she could have given her a run for her money. Heather was mm-hmm. amazing. That's a hot take, Dylan. I like that. Yeah, she really was. It was captivating. I love her. I love that. Emily, do you have a dose of drama today? 
Okay, so I don't, I feel like this is like so off base, but I'm just going to go with it anyway. Go with it. I have, I am a cord cutter. I haven't had cable in like probably since 2016. Like I haven't watched Brave. It, but dear Lord, have I missed HDTV. And like <laughs> I, during the pandemic have exhausted every episode of Property Brothers that is on Hulu. I mean, legitimately every episode. And last week, my dad called and was like, so I'm getting a free thing from Verizon, this Discovery Plus. And I lost shit. And I like was so excited. And so I have spent the last like week binging my favorite show on Discovery Plus, which is called Good Bones. This mother and daughter team in Indianapolis, as they basically gentrify neighborhoods, like ultimately that's what they're doing. And the daughter (laughs) is like also very Virgo and like maybe like Scorpio Virgo. So like really like snappy and like Uh to the point, but her, I'm so obsessed with the mother. Her name is Karen Lane. She is exquisitely witchy woo woo and like just this crazy lady who I just can't get enough of and so I started like going down the rabbit hole learning about who she is and she's like a former defense attorney and like yeah she just has like so many facets and then you like they they like you know visit her backyard in Indianapolis sometimes and like they live in downtown Indianapolis right Uh you know but they still have like it, it is a Midwest city so there's a little more space than we have in New York but like she has like a chicken run and a koi pond and like a whole <laughs> garden in her like tiny little Indianapolis backyard. And I, she's always like these houses that they buy are in really bad. So yes, I, I, I am calling it gentrification, but honestly, like they are revitalizing neighborhoods in a really beautiful way at the same time. And yeah. so she's always finding something in these houses to like either take home and restore or like turn it into some crazy art project. And I'm just like, she feels like such a kindred spirit to me that I'm like, I just want to be Karen Lane when I grow up. Well, with a name like Karen Lane, I mean, that is like such an iconic name. Like she was destined to have multitudes. It's yeah. So it's not really drama, but I'm just like, no, yeah. I am obsessed with this like amazing woman. And she was just like, she's just like out there just doing her shit. You know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. the drama is that she's no drama. (laughs) She's just mm-hmm. like, I'm just out here. I'm going to do me. You're welcome to enjoy the party or you can leave if you're not into it. Like, mm, I love her already. Yeah. And that I feel like is something that during this pandemic, you know, I have really, I had started embracing it when I started therapy, but mm-hmm. especially over the last year, I've gotten so comfortable in being my most authentic self that like, I'm not going to show up any other way. Mm. know and and so to see someone who like very is a very clear example of that is really Mm -hmm. I love it I'll have to look into it we're always looking for new things to tune into and new women to worship and Caroline sounds like she's right up our street (laughs) (laughs) well Emily thank you so much for your time today this has been so cool and interesting and I feel like we've just reached the tippy top of what tarot can do for helping with introspection and self-reflection you know scratch the surface well thank you you are so sweet and i think that this is going to continue to take you to new heights as your career already has but you just have such a great spirit and energy and we're really thankful for your time today yes and now of course everyone should follow you on social media to get all of the latest but also check out your website and you are at emily ann mcgee Thank you so much, Emily. And everyone should, of course, also, if you're not already, follow us at The Drama Podcast and check out our Patreon to get the full experience of this episode, which is patreon.com backslash The Drama Podcast. Love it. Connor, we'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.